Glad that today is the next piece of this um, puzzle we're going to be putting together through the Gospel of John over the next few months. And uh, if you were here on Christmas Sunday, you remember that your story is better than you think. Um, as Zach mentioned a little bit earlier, because you can join God's story. So no matter what your earthly story sounds like, whether you're proud of it or ashamed of it or something in between, uh, when you become a Christian, when you, when you enter into what Jesus is offering, your story becomes a part of his story, and it goes all the way back to the beginning, and it goes all the way on into eternity future, and it's an exciting story to be a part of. Uh, I wonder if you've ever made an important introduction one person to another. Have you ever felt the pressure of that um, or the anticipation of that? Um, I know a frequent thing that I have happen is I'll be supposed to introduce, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of be the connector between two people, but I'll forget the person's name that I'm supposed to be connecting to. And so I'll be doing that sort of like socially awkward dance of how do I, how do I get them to say their name, but not seem like I'm disrespecting them by like not calling them out by their name, you know? So you, uh, so, so that, that's probably happened to a lot of you with me before. I don't know, but uh, I love you anyway. It's just, I, I do, I do struggle with names sometimes. And uh, there, there was one introduction that I was so excited to make um, between an, a ministry leader in India and a ministry leader in Brazil. And they had never met each other, but I knew, like, wow, if we could get these two people together, uh, they would be able to connect some, some neat dots for the kingdom and that there'd be a lot of wisdom that could be used in the Brazilian ministry that they had found in the Indian ministry. And so, uh, so I ended up at the same conference, and both of these people were there. And I was like, man, this is the opportunity to connect these dots personally. Because uh, I had told each of the people, oh, you've got to meet this other person, and like, there'd be so much that maybe your ministries could share. And um, so finally they were in the same conference. So like, I, I found each of them independently and said, hey, do you want to like, link up for dinner tonight? And they were, they were open. It worked out. So we were sitting at Bonefish Grill in uh, Orlando somewhere, and I was able to just make an introduction. I had nothing else to offer in the whole conversation. I just kind of sat there smiling, happy that it happened as uh, these two people were able to meet. And, and still today, actually, their ministries collaborate on different things. And it's really neat to just say like, hey, I had a little part in that puzzle. But then when I say, well, what, what did I actually do? Well, I didn't do anything. All I did was facilitate a meeting of two people that really needed to connect. I had no other value to add other than to be a connector. And maybe you've been in a place like that before in your life. Um, what I find striking about today's text that Craig read for us a little bit earlier is there's actually multiple examples of that same dynamic happening where one person connects another person to an important person and the, the guy in the middle really didn't have anything to offer other than, hey, you've got to find what I found. You've got to meet the person I met. All right, so we're going to walk through that a little bit today and talk about how that relates to our role as now believers in Jesus, how we actually get to connect the dots for people, uh, how we get to introduce them to a really important person, the most important person. So a little bit of review first. Last time we talked about the fact that when you join God's family, by believing in Jesus, you become a part of his amazing eternal story. That's the first little segment of John. That's the introduction to the book. The second piece is what I, I feel like is this set of introductions. And, and so if you look at the text, John chapter 1 down to verse 19, uh, the first thing that we see is John the Baptist, uh, which interestingly is not the John that the book is written after. That character is introduced later. There are lots of people named John at this time. Uh, still are, I guess. And 
John the Baptist was gaining some notoriety as he was calling people to repent and he was baptizing people into sort of their, their new desire to follow God. They didn't have the Messiah in view yet. And, and so all they had was the Old Testament truth, but still like people knew that as they had walked through life, their, their commitment to faith had grown cold or they hadn't been paying as much attention to, the, to their character and their faith and their morality as they should have. And so they would go out to John and they would, they would ask to be baptized as a way of identifying with a new kind of life, a new commitment to love and serve God, uh, a new commitment to follow what God had called them to do. Uh, meanwhile, John was not only facilitating that, he had a different mission in mind. He was there to introduce everybody to an important person. That's why uh, when the people came to John, if, if you look in verse 19, uh, the priests, the temple assistants, like they come all concerned like, John, you must be an important guy. Who are you? And he kind of deflects their question. No, no, really. Like we, we need to know who are you? Are you? Are you like Elijah come back from the dead? He says, no, I'm not that. Are you the Messiah we've been waiting for? He says, no, I'm not that. Are you the prophet that Moses told us was going to come? No, I'm, I'm not that either. Okay, well, well, who are you? Like you, you must be somebody. You're here like sort of declaring all this authoritative truth and you're here baptizing people and everybody's following. Like, who are you? What is your role in the whole story? And he replied in verse 23 with the words of the prophet Isaiah, I am a voice shouting in the wilderness, clear the way for the Lord's coming. So John's entire role in the story was not himself to become some sort of grand pastor of thousands of people. Um, his own role in the story wasn't even to make disciples. He had disciples, but that wasn't his primary job. His job was to clear the way for the Lord. His job was to make an introduction so that the, so that the people would be ready to receive the Messiah as he would step onto the scene. Now, John and Jesus were contemporaries, and so Jesus was just a few months younger than John in earthly terms, and he's coming along, and John knows he's out there somewhere, and then one day Jesus shows up, like there at the Jordan River, ready to be baptized. And so we see how John points him out and says, like, I'm going to baptize you with water. That's for the forgiveness of sins. That's for sort of spiritual renewal. That's looking back to following God's covenant as it's been given, but... Something is coming. Someone is coming. And, and even though you think I'm an important guy, I'm not even worthy to bow down and unstrap this person's sandals. Like, you think I'm important? Wait till you meet this person. And then one day, that person actually came, and John pointed at him and said, Look, there's the Lamb of God. He's the one who will take away the sin of the world. And you can imagine, like, you know, it wasn't like this was some sort of epic occasion and with lots of fanfare. They're just at some sort of muddy riverbank there at the Jordan River in Israel, and people are crowding around. And you could imagine a lot of people have kind of their own plan for the day, but they're hoping, can I, can I get baptized by John as I move, move forward from here? And, and all of a sudden, John just starts to call out, look, there's the Lamb of God. Like for hundreds of years, for centuries, people had been waiting for the Messiah. They'd been waiting for, the, for, for, for God to finally rescue the, the people. And John, just in the middle of, you know, here on the little, in the little countryside, they, there, there he is. There's the person you've been waiting for. Well, look at verse 35. He says, the following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples as Jesus walked by. Again. 
John looked at him and said, look, there is the Lamb of God. And that's when John's two disciples made a really important decision, one that impacted the whole of Christian history. And that is, instead of saying, well, you know, hey, we're followers of John, um, they realized John was, John's job was to point at Jesus. As soon as he pointed at Jesus, what did those two John disciples do? They became Jesus' disciples. Like they immediately followed Jesus and John wasn't angry about that. He wasn't jealous about that. He wasn't like, you know, guys, you've got, you've got to attend my church because that's a, no, John, John's happy to hand them off because that's his mission to make this introduction. And once that introduction's made, there's really nothing else John needs to teach these two disciples. So who were they? Uh, well, just two common, open-hearted people. Uh, one was a fisherman, doesn't say what the other did. The one who was a fisherman was, as we find out in the story, Simon Peter's brother, Andrew. And so what did Andrew now do? I mean, Andrew had been discipled by John the Baptist, right? The, the guy who was in charge of connecting dots and introducing, but really nothing else than that. So what did Andrew do? What was his first move as a new disciple of Jesus? Well, look to verse 42. Oh, actually, verse 40. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who had heard what John had said and followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we found the Messiah, which means the Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. And that's all Andrew had to do. Like, Andrew didn't have to sit down and like walk through, like, let's go through all the prophecies of the Messiah. Peter, let me explain to you the whole thing. Uh, Peter, just, Andrew didn't have to sit down and like say, Let, let's walk through a bunch of, you know, kind of apologetics or anything. All he had to do was connect the dots, right? Uh, Brother, you would not believe what I, I've just found the Messiah. Do you want to come and see him? Well, of course, Peter says, sure, let's go, let's go see him. And then looking intently at Simon, uh, the scripture says, Jesus uh, said, your name is Simon, son of John. And from now on, you'll be called Cephas, which means Peter. Uh, Peter became the lead disciple and I look at that chain of introductions that happened there, that John the Baptist introduced Andrew to Jesus. Andrew introduced Simon Peter to Jesus. And, and these people's lives were radically changed by this introduction. Their entire future was changed by this introduction. But the person making the introduction, all they had to do was introduce. All they had to do was facilitate a meeting. And other than that, uh, their job was done, their role it, it was handled, all right? So you see another one of these happen a little bit later. Uh, as Jesus is starting to collect disciples here at the very beginning of his ministry, Jesus calls Philip to follow him. And what's Philip's first move? Maybe Philip is the one who thought, you know, I probably, before I do anything else, I need like four years of Bible college. And then I can get started with the ministry. But no, what was Philip's first move? Before anything else... It says, verse 43, the next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, come follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, we found the Messiah. We found the person Moses wrote about. Same, same thing Andrew did, right? We're just going to facilitate this introduction. I found something that's life-changing. I found someone we've been waiting for. You've got to meet him. Here, come and meet him. I'll show you where he is. And so it's this facilitation of introductions that you see starting to build the, the family of disciples here. And ultimately, that chain of introductions continues on even to today. 
All right, so if you think of it this way, like we've got three introductions in the Bible here. If we skipped about a thousand generations and got to right now, we'd say, well, there was someone who invited you to meet Jesus. Maybe just, just in your mind's eye, like think of who, who was that person? A pastor at a church or a, a, a family member, a friend who, who said, I, I need you to meet him. Now that, that person, it, it wasn't because they were particularly brilliant or well-spoken or super skilled or whatever that you came to faith in Jesus. I mean, that, they might have had a, a role to play in it, but this, really their job, what was their job? To teach you everything you needed to know about life? No. Their job was to do what? Introduce you to Jesus. Once the dots connect, now you have a relationship with Jesus. Obviously, that person could still disciple you and mentor you and teach you. There's all sorts of other aspects to this. But their, their main job is really that was the same job that John the Baptist had. Like, clear the way for the Lord. Make it obvious. Like, hey, there he is. There's the Lamb of God. Hey, look what I found. It's the same job Andrew is, comes to his brother. I, you, I found the Messiah. You've got to meet him too. So someone did that for you. And now the next blank to fill in is pretty important, isn't it? Hopefully over the course of your lifetime, there'll be more than one blank for you to fill in. That is, who are you going to be connecting the dots for? Who, when are you going to make that introduction so that someone who right today doesn't have a personal relationship with Jesus can take a step in that direction? You don't have to convince them of anything. You don't have to prove all the postulates of the Bible. You don't, you don't have to walk them through anything very complicated. Your job is to introduce them to Jesus. So I, I kind of look at it this way. If you were thinking of like, how, how would this look in maybe like a little bit of a chart form? Um, our, our job is to testify and then to introduce. Okay, exactly what John the Baptist did, exactly what Andrew did, exactly what Philip did, and then many others since then. Testifying is tell someone your story about meeting Jesus. So you just, here, here's what happened to me. Here, here's my testimony. And when you testify to that, when you just give witness to your story, you've then set up the opportunity to introduce that person if they're willing. I mean, remember, I mean, here we're reading about people that were willing. There could have been someone in the chain here. I mean, maybe Philip goes to Nathaniel and Nathaniel says, no, I'm busy today, I'm not interested. Philip would have had to go find someone else, I, I guess. But uh, So you testify, tell them your story about meeting Jesus, and then you introduce. You ask, would you like to meet him too? Now, I've, I've been, honestly, to many different you know, classes on how to share your faith, and I've memorized different like, outlines of like, the different verses that are good to share with people who are new to thinking about all this, and all that's helpful, that's all really good, and we'll go through some of that as we travel through John. A lot of those key introductory verses are in this book, so we'll find them. Uh, but if you were going to boil it all down and say, how do I actually fulfill my job as a Christian? How do I fulfill my mission? All you have to do is tell people your story of meeting Jesus and then introduce them to Jesus. That's all there is to it. Introduce, uh, testify, and then introduce, and then do it again and again and again. And, and God will start to... So here's, here's what's neat. The, the, the power of all this isn't resting on you having like the right words to say or being particularly brilliant or verbose or or just having everything set up just so. The power isn't in you at all. The power is in who you're introducing the person to. And so it's not like Andrew thought, like, man, I've got to, like, I've got to dress up. I've got, to, I've got to study up. I've got to be ready. I've got to go like, present this to Peter and have everything set. All Andrew had to do was go say, hey, I found the Messiah. Do you want to meet him too? So, so what, what I'd love to invite you to do as we go through this Gospel of John 
is to recognize that your job, your mission, is the same as what those first disciples had to do. Uh, Just make the connection. Introduce people to Jesus. Help them take that first step toward Jesus to learn who he is, and then let the power of Jesus change that person's life. Let Jesus convince that person that he's real and that he has a plan for them. Uh, You don't have to do all that convincing. You just get to be the one who connects the dots, and then you get to sit back at the table and kind of smile as you watch that person's life radically start to change because now they get to have a personal relationship with God the same way that you do. And, And you know, it's a lot of fun to be a part of, of connecting dots for people so that they can learn more about Jesus. All right, the psalmist in Psalm 66, sharing your testimony isn't a new thing. Uh, way back in the Psalms, the psalmist said, come and listen, all you who fear God, and I will tell you what he did for me. Like there's such good news out there, I can't wait to share this. Um, here's another from Psalm 71. I will tell everyone about your righteousness. All day long I will proclaim your saving power. Though I am not skilled with words, I constantly tell others about the wonderful things you do. Now that I'm old and gray, let me proclaim your power to this new generation. And I highlighted not skilled with words because I know, uh, and, and here's what's crazy, everybody thinks that. Even people who you would look at and say they are skilled with words, they don't think they're skilled with words for this. So when it, for some reason, when it comes to introducing people to, to Jesus, people back off and get a little bit scared and they think like, well, it's, it's got to be so official or so theological or so epic that I, I just don't know if I can say that and so I, I'll just be quiet and let someone else do it. So here's what's amazing. All right, if you, if you were to really do an honest poll of the people around you, everybody feels that way. And I'll let you in on this. Even though I'm the one speaking to you today about all of this, I feel that way. So when I'm in a situation where I realize somebody's not a Christian and I, maybe I get the opportunity to kind of share with them a little bit, I don't know what to say either. This, I mean, it's, it's amazing because in church, everybody seems like they all know what to say, right? But then you get out there in the real world and you're actually talking to somebody and you go, I, I, I don't know what, I, I don't think I'm ready. And here's what's amazing, all right? You don't have to be skilled with words. You don't have to have a whole lot to go on. Um, if you have a relationship with Jesus, your first and best you know, the, th- the thing to say is, here's how I met Jesus. Just do what Andrew did to Peter. Do what John the Baptist did to his disciples. Just point out, hey, I found something that you really ought to check out. Like, let me show you how to meet him. Uh, so a l- little bit of practice on this. Okay, think of it this way. If you're not skilled with words, try finishing these two statements. I first met Jesus when I, whatever, went to church as a kid, when my, you know, grandma and grandpa told me about him, when I read the Bible for myself, when I uh, went to some sort of event and somebody preached the gospel, I mean, whatever it is, I, I first met Jesus when I, when my friend shared him with me, or, so it's, it's not a complicated finish there. And then if you'd like to meet Jesus, you could start by, then you finish what might be relevant for that person. Hey, you could start by reading the Gospel of John. That's what it was written so people would know how to believe. Or you could start by, you could join me in church next Sunday and, and we'll, you know, they'll talk about this in church and you'll learn a little bit more. Uh, you could start by, you know, if, if maybe it's like, hey, let's start, I'll take you out to breakfast so we could talk a little bit more about all this. Or There's all sorts of answers to the question, but your job is just to connect these dots. And once they're connected, you start to see God's power at work. All right? So I'm going to give you one minute, maybe two minutes, just to try this out, 
all right? So you look at somebody around you, could be in your family or maybe somebody sitting around you, and if you don't have an answer to the question, you can just kind of say pass. Like, I, I'm, I am new to all this, and so I, I really want to hear your answer to these questions, but all you have to do is look at the person next to you and say, like, hey, here's when I first met Jesus, and it's you know, a one-sentence answer, here's where I was or what I was doing, and then if you'd like to meet Jesus, here, here'd be a way to start. And, uh, and, just, and just, for the, just for the fun of it, let's stand up right now and let's do a quick practice, all right? So we've got to put this stuff into action or it, it just stays in our heads. This is how we get it out into our lives, all right? So turn to somebody around you and, uh, and jump in. I first met Jesus and then, and then do the second one as well. Okay, now the, here's the good news. This, this story doesn't have to end here in like a minute and a half, but um, so you just, you just, this was your warm-up, Right? Now, you, you just did, even though maybe you were just looking at somebody that, you know, they already knew all this too, you just did the primary mission of what you're supposed to do as a Christian between now and the time you die. Like, literally, your earthly mission, once Jesus saves your soul and you're on the road to transformation, is to start sharing and start introducing more people to Jesus. You just, you just did John the Baptist uh, on the person next to you. You just did what Andrew did. You just did what Philip did. That's your job, all right? And so what's fun is you could start praying and saying, Lord, who else could I have that exact same conversation with later this week? Uh, Who could I have that conversation with that wasn't in church that doesn't know what we're talking about and start with them? And, uh, and that's, that's the beginning of, of some amazing introductions where you can connect some dots, all right? Now, there was another key phrase in the verse that I wanted to highlight, um, especially for a few of you, and you don't actually have to raise your hand for this because we already know who you are um, if you're in this. And, I, and I, I know I'm starting to get it. Um, one of my sons came to me the other day. He was like looking closely at me, and he was like, you've got gray hair. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to ignore that for right now, but it is happening. So, uh, so there it is. And now that I am old and gray, let me proclaim your power to this new generation um, so, you know, a few thousand years ago when Psalms were written, that's what was said, and that would still be true today. So I have an extra challenge for you if you're old and gray, all right? And here's, here's that challenge. Um, man, I should have put this in bigger print, right? Because the old and gray, like, you're, you're so sorry about that. I'll read, it, I'll read it for you, okay? Ask someone from a younger generation if they'd be willing to meet you for coffee to catch up or have a phone call with you to pray, or if they'd be willing to text you for a few prayer requests, all right? So you look around, and you can pick any younger generation that's younger than you, and just say, hey, I, I want to just reach out to somebody and, and have a little connection with them this week somehow to encourage them, to pray for them, to invest in them, to mentor them somehow. It doesn't even have to be all that. It could just be to connect and catch up. That could really mean something to a younger person. One thing I've noticed in my interaction with senior citizens is because of like social cadence, if, and, you know, maybe there's a few of you who are different than this, that's possible, but what I've noticed is that you tend to sit back and kind of hope that someone will come to you. But what I'm suggesting is that for whatever crazy cultural reasons, that's not how this works. You have to go to them. So you have to reach out to that young mom or that, that child that you see sitting nearby or that uh, that single guy that you, you're not sure if he's connected, you, you're the one that has to do the initiation here and say, hey, it'd be great to get together. Um, it'd be great to connect. Or if you don't know them that well, say, hey, how, just, how could I pray for you? And, and just begin by initiating a little bit of a relationship there. Okay, here's the second part. If the younger person is here today, man, that's really good news because they already know what we're talking about. So the ice is totally broken. They're expecting you to come. 
And, and you could say to them, I am one of the old and gray people. My job as a Christian is to encourage you what might be a good time for us to do that this week. Just see what happens, all right? So we're all trying to share our testimony, introduce people to Jesus all the time. But here's this extra challenge if you're old and gray, to take some initiative with somebody who's younger and just jump into their life somehow and see if the Lord uses that. You know, sometimes people aren't receptive to that kind of thing. They're not interested. They push you back. Say, great, I'll just try somebody else. But, but I know from like, because as a pastor, I end up talking to like both sides of these equations. I, I would be amazed if there was a young person in this room who would not want to be invested in by an older person. Like that would mean you're a you know, stone-hearted person or whatever, if that was really you. And I know a lot of you older people would love to invest in a young person. And the issue is just the connection. It's just who takes initiative. And so my challenge to the old and gray is take the initiative this week and, and find someone younger to just step into their life a little bit and start investing them. And you will see God use you and your story. Um, even, and even if you say, I'm not, I'm not skilled with words, I'm not even sure what I would do. God will use this in a big way if you'll take a step forward into it. All right, so here's kind of a summary for this morning. Your story is more powerful than you think. It's powerful because it's a story that's not really about you and like great things that you've done. It's, it's your story of connecting with Jesus. And when you're willing to tell that story, you'll have just as much power as John the Baptist, just as much power as Andrew the disciple. And by the way, I was reading about Andrew this week. Uh, it's kind of fascinating to read in church tradition where Andrew went in sharing the gospel because there are reports of him all the way from Scotland, which has Andrew's cross on their flag. Is that Scotland or Ireland? I don't know, somebody knows, but I think it's Scotland. The, uh, all the way over to Romania and Ukraine, that there's like traditions of, like, so Andrew, I mean, after he was done with his discipleship with Jesus and after the close of the book of Acts, like Andrew went all over the place introducing people to Jesus. And your life could be like that too. Uh, your story is more powerful than you think. Your story of meeting Jesus is the key that can unlock opportunities to start to share Jesus with other people. So go ahead and tell it. All right, let's pray and ask for God uh, to give us that opportunity this week. Lord Jesus, um, what a joy it is to open up the Bible and see people who are not all that different than us, uh, even though they lived in a different time and a very different culture. Uh, they, not all of them knew exactly the right words to say. Not all of them had amazing uh, arguments to make. But Lord, you used them to connect a lot of people to you simply because they were willing to take initiative. They were willing to tell their story. They were willing to invite people to meet you. And so Lord, help us as a church to become great at doing that very thing. Uh, really, what is our, our central mission as a, as a believer here in this world? Uh, to make disciples, to share the gospel. And, and we realize this is the first step into all of that. Uh, so Lord, thank you for recording these accounts for us in the Gospel of John to encourage us. I pray that as we continue this study, uh, that you would give us uh, ears to hear, minds that can understand, and then give us the hands and feet that can really go and obey the truth that we're learning. We look forward to doing that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. God bless you. We will see you next year.